RT Sports Person of the Year award this, this century. We had this last week. Huh? This I'm is null and void. That's the crappiest crappy quiz. OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Uh, we're going to turn to football and uh, we're going to talk to Martin Lipton of the Sun. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning. How are we? Are you home or are you still out there? I'm in Istanbul. So uh, I've had to draw the curtains. It was too bright. It's Good a lovely man. view, but you can't see it. Good. Good broadcasting sensibilities. Fair play. A long drawn out affair as usual. Oh, God, it goes on and on, doesn't it? Uh, after half an hour, nothing's actually happened. It's like, come on, just just draw the balls out. And in the end, you get an interesting draw, actually. Pretty good for the English clubs. Uh, two really good groups, actually. The one with um, Bayern Munich and Barcelona Inter. And then the one with Juventus as well is uh, quite interesting. But the, the English clubs, let's be honest, if they don't go through, it's their own fault. I mean, they've got pretty passable groups. Yeah, and Tottenham, when you look at Frankfurt, uh, Sporting Lisbon, Marseille, while they don't have a great record in France, uh, and Marseille are packed with plenty of ex-Premier League players, including a handful of Arsenal players, of course, as well. Overall, a pretty decent draw for Tottenham. I think they'll take that. I mean, the view was they wanted Eintracht Frankfurt as the top seed. They thought they were the weakest, and obviously they've they've lost players, including Kostic, since last season. Um, Sporting sold Nunez. They're always a difficult team, but they're not the the best team in, in the world. they you know, the champions two years ago, but not last season. And Marseille are a reasonable side, but Tottenham should still win that group. I think that's the ex- expectation within them uh, now. It doesn't mean they're going to go all the way to win the competition, but they would they would be pretty confident of, of reaching the, the, the quarterfinals, I think. That's their their target for the season. You didn't bump into Deli Alley in the airport at any point? I haven't yet. I mean, obviously, if, he, if, if I do see him as he comes in, that'd be great. Um, I just want him to play football. Mm. I think it's been a what's happened over the last two or three years has been really sad actually uh, and part of it a lot of it has got to be down to Delhi himself um, I think he was broken by Mourinho actually uh, that yeah. didn't didn't work for him and uh, Mourinho wanted to do to Delhi what he did to Joe Cole and you know tough love to make him work and footballers are wired differently these days I think and Delhi Ali didn't appreciate being treated in that way and I I think it added to a, a sense of, uh, of of him falling out of love with the game. And the thing about him, he was that this mixture of, of, of infectious enthusiasm and a bit of a, of a nasty streak when required. And we've, we've seen neither of those, actually, uh, for two or three years. And the Everton move was a, a disaster, let's be honest. I mean, one start and a, a handful of appearances and, and he's done nothing in an Everton shirt. And they've they got rid of him within six months or eight months tells you I'm afraid all you need to know that piece there about losing your love for the game and losing your energy that's something you can rediscover though right especially if you remove yourself from the spotlight of England if that's what we're saying it is it's, it's an attitude thing that obviously has it's, it's not just his own fault it is, it is obviously the people who, who are maybe looking after him like that is something that you would think that in, in an ideal world he could rediscover you'd like to think so but it's a long time since we've seen Delhi playing as he can, I would say you're probably looking at two or three years. Now, can you make up for, for two or three years of of a, of a significant downturn in, in form? Let us hope the answer to that is yes. Uh, the spotlight won't be the same. I mean, it will be quite big. I mean, we are talking about a mad football country here in Turkey. And he's playing for 
Besiktas, which is the the team which is just around the corner from from this hotel, but you overlook the ground from the other side of the hotel. So it shows how close it is in the heart of the of the city. It's the smaller, I suspect, of the of the three big Istanbul clubs because a lot more attention goes to Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. Uh, and they've also got Besiktas here, who won the title a couple of years ago as well. So there are four big clubs in Istanbul now. But it won't be what he's used to. It will be a different environment. And also, let's be brutally honest, he won't be able to read what they're saying in the newspapers or saying about him on television. He won't He won't know what they're saying. So that might help. Do you, yeah. do you think that got to him in the past, the the, the press in, in, in England? I don't think it helps. I think when, when things are going badly, you, it becomes a sort of a, of a, a cycle of decline, doesn't it? And things you take things more personally you're aware of what's being said and you you know all of these things come together um here it will be what he does on the football pitch and he'll be equally accountable to himself but he won't have the same degree of external footballing distractions i don't think because as i said he i don't suppose he speaks a word of turkish um not many people do outside of Turkey. Um, so it will allow him just to get on with, with being what he has to be. But then again, he's got to be willing to do that and be, be able to, to find his form and to make significant impacts in games and prove that he can play again because otherwise there's a, a serious talent in danger of going to waste. Yeah, and at 26, it looks like almost in some ways that his uh, career is petering out in a way. Somebody ten years his uh, his senior. Um, it, just one last one. Does have you a sense, Martin, that he his choice to like you said about the the stink? I suppose maybe at uh, at Everton that his choice now to go and play football, albeit out of the spotlight at a at a club like uh, like Besiktas, is like a po- like is a positive thing for him that he's he's taking trying to take control almost of his own career get a bit of football and get his career back on track i hope so yeah i mean look the talent is unquestioned we saw it in those first two or three years at spurs in particular he was one of you know a generational talent you thought you had there and the goals he scored the the quality uh, he possessed the ability he had to hurt teams uh, and that's what made him an England international. That's what saw him scoring in a World Cup quarter-final four years ago. Um, that ability surely hasn't gone away. He, though, has got to really want to find it. It's down to him. I think going out of the comfort zone, going into another country is a brave thing. It's a good thing. And you've seen other players thrive outside of England. But mm. it's only a good thing if he's not just trying to escape from himself. If he's, if he's doing it because he really wants to put his career back on track, that's brilliant. If he just wants to escape the spotlight and not care too much about the outcome on the pitch, it won't last very long either, will it? Uh, United Southampton will get the action underway tomorrow and I uh, just want to look ahead to some of those games. We've been discussing the sort of split nature, the reaction to the, uh, last Monday night's football. Um, whether whether United have like found their team now and turned a corner and this is a portent of, of things to come or whether it just suited them on Monday night because it was Liverpool and because Liverpool have been started to be found out in a way that maybe they weren't over the previous few seasons. Where's the truth of it all in your view? Uh, I think we'll know by about two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, mm. actually. Um, it's the sort of game where United, if they are going to be significant players this season, will turn up and find a way to win and play half decently. But there's no guarantees of that. I mean, 
you even against Liverpool when they were the better team, there were moments of self-inflicted chaos at the back. Um, and what you have with Southampton is really good dead ball delivery from Warpfouse. Uh, and they've discovered a little bit of uh, spirit, haven't they? You know, they came from two down against Leeds to get a draw, came back again from a goal down to win at Leicester last week. And just as you thought that uh, Hazen Hooter was on his way out, they seem to be playing for him and looking to, uh, to, to to show some support for the manager. So it's not an easy game. And it's one that will be a, a, a proper testing ground in some ways. It is a, a one-off match against Liverpool and you know the chaos that will come if you lose can work either way and it worked positively for, for United. But if they if they can't back it up tomorrow, then all of that goodwill that was garnered on Monday night dissipates pretty quickly. Just the point you made there that they made a few chaotic moments for themselves on Monday night. Are you of the opinion that maybe that back four has got a little bit too much credit for, for Monday? Do, do you still think that they, they've got a lot to prove? I think they defended quite well, but there were moments which were pretty hairy scary. And if you're a United fan, you, you, were, you were watching it you know, from behind the sofa with your hands over your eyes at times, weren't you? I mean, it, was, it wasn't uh, an authoritative defensive performance by any means. I don't think it was bad. I think there's a lot of desire shown and a couple of saves that were made uh, by De Gea. Uh, but even with the changes, I think it'd be hard for us to say they look secure for 90 minutes. They got away with it. To add to that security then, do you think that this is just more cohesion with that new centre-back partnership, maybe uh, maybe an, an upgrade on, on, on Dallow potentially, or, or, or what do you see as, as the improvement that potentially potentially comes down the line for, the, for that Manchester United defence? Yeah, you want a better right-back, wouldn't you? Let's be, be honest about that. But it is game time, it's playing together. You, you, you want a settled unit if you can have one. Now, it looks as though he wants to play... Uh, three of those, as it were, the left-back and two centre-halves. The Maguire's going to be on the bench for the moment. If he can get a right-back he trusts, that will help. But also, they've got to have a, the shield. We'll see whether Casemiro, if and when he starts, can provide that that shield as well, because that gives more security to the team. So we haven't seen yet, because of the recent arrival, what United are going to be in terms of the the, the stability of the side. Nominally, at least, with Casemiro in, even at 30 they should be better. I mean, he's an experienced, wily old soul and he'll make a tactical foul when he has to. He'll give them that safeguard, I think, in front of the back four, which should allow the more attacking players to a bit more leeway and, and room to play him. So from a United perspective, it could be the start of something infinitely better than they saw in the first two games. Yeah, and as you say, like uh, it's only watching them is going to tell particularly against maybe some of the lesser teams what's your sense on, on the Liverpool side uh, Martin I was definitely of the view uh, last season that they were quietly rebuilding uh, you know uh, the Diaz coming in the former Jota um, suddenly uh, there's a lot of question marks about uh, the direction of this team yeah I mean they look if you've been told two years ago that Liverpool would go into a big match with a midfield of Milner Henderson and a teenager in Harvey Elliott, you'd have thought, no, that's ridiculous. That's old Liverpool. That's not a Klopp Liverpool. Uh, and it didn't look like a Klopp Liverpool, did it, on, on Monday night? I thought they were exceedingly poor. 
the loss of Mane appears by the day to be more significant than people thought it might be. And that's not to do, uh, discredit the, the effort and, and performances of Diaz. I think he's been really good. But Mane gave them something extra. And also he could play through the middle if he had to. He was able to stretch teams, had a bit of the devil in him when he needed to. I mean, got away with a few elbows last season, let's be honest about it, in, in a few games when he could have been sent off and didn't. But he gave them that extra bit of physicality. Uh, teams were worried and wary of, of Mane. Firmino looked more leggy than the rest of them, and the rest of them looked leggy on Monday. He didn't have any input or impact on the game. Trent Alexander-Arnold was... He was playing basically as a, as a, as a wing-back in a, in a four, wasn't he? Or, or, and it didn't work. There's a, the, the gap behind him seemed bigger and bigger and bigger as it went on, and United targeted that. Gomez was struggling... Van Dyke made. I mean, if you, it's hard to work out who played well for Liverpool and on on Monday, and I've ended up with the thing that none of them did. Uh, they were just really poor from one to eleven or one to fourteen after they make the subs, and that's a worry because they've had a pretty poor start. They were underwhelming against um, Fulham on the first day of the season, a match they should win at Fulham. They were decidedly underwhelming uh, with Nunes sent off against uh, Palace. And they were even worse than that on, on Monday night. So they'll be quite happy they got Bournemouth at home, I think, rather than Newcastle away, which would have really tested them. After the opening three weeks, has your opinion changed on who might be best placed to challenge Manchester City then? I still think that Liverpool, if they're at full throttle, are the, are the second best team. And I still think that Spurs should be best of the rest. Uh, Arsenal, though, have been excellent this season. There's no doubt about it so far. Whether Gabriel Jesus can continue to play at this level, uh, we will find out over time, but he's been excellent. Uh, I think you look at Arsenal and the, the doubt and equivocation would be what happens if they get two or three injuries? Um, because this that obviously hurt them at the end of last season. They had a small squad and a couple of injuries really told. What happens if they get you know, who plays central midfield if they lose one there? Who scores the goals if, he, if Gabriel's out for three weeks? Do you really think Nketiah will score goals? What do they do at centre-half if Saliba or White get injured? These are issues that are, yeah. will only be become clearer as if they become relevant as the season goes on. Spurs have not played well, would have got seven points in the bank. And you think that because of the attacking options they've got, they'll find a way to score most games, which gives you a chance. Um, and I think that Son has not really pulled up any trees yet. And we know, you know from the end of last season how good he can be. So they'll be quite positive. They haven't really seen Basuma yet, who is a big signing. Perisic has now slotted in. Uh, the, I mean, the big surprise at Tottenham is that Emerson Royale can actually cross the halfway line and be half-effective which I think most Spurs fans doubted completely last season. On that point um, around Arsenal and the potential injuries, if we uh, if we leave the, the injuries potential to, to one side and, and the, the depth that is very much yet to be tested, like I think you were on maybe three quarters of the way through last season saying that there were still question marks around Arsenal's mentality and the fragility that they'd shown in the past. And ultimately, I guess that, that was proven to be correct when, when they did end up uh, not finishing in the top four. Have you seen anything since then that would maybe change that for you, that, that, that has, has shown to you that maybe there's a little bit more resilience mentally in that squad this season? It's hard to say that on the basis of the matches they play. Mm. Um, but 
they went to Palace last year and they humiliated 3-0. This year they won 2-0, but it was the first game of the season. Mentality is different. Uh, Leicester are a poor side and they, you know, they, they that was a game that could, Arsenal were the better team, but you could have seen that finishing 4-3, 4-4 even. You know, the penalty doesn't get overturned, who knows? Uh, and then last week at Bournemouth, they were excellent. No question about that. They blitzed them. It's about what they do when the, when the going gets tough. You know, sometimes with Arsenal, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping, don't they? I mean, they don't really seem to to have it in them. Uh, other times, you think, well, this is a really good team. And this inconsistency is that it's something that's dogged them for, for the last four or five years, arguably. And that needs to be sorted out. Um, I've been watching, like, I think a lot of us have the uh, the Amazon Prime all or nothing on Arsenal. And I'm increasingly wide-eyed with every dressing room shot of Arteta because it's either genius or madness or somewhere between the two, I guess. Some of the concepts he brings in would make me think of David Brent, to be honest, and yet it looks like the players want to be- to buy into it. And if that continues, that's great. How do they react, though, again, in adversity? How do they react when they lose a cup? The problem with Arsenal over the last few years has been great run, five or six games, but then lose one and they lose three or four. They, you know, that whereas City lose one, that means that tells them, right, we're not going to lose another eight now. We're just going to mm-hmm. go and win the next the next seven or eight. And Arsenal haven't had that. You know, one knock takes all the wind out of their sails for, for quite some time. And dealing with downturns in form or poor results is it absolutely critical for any team over a season. Uh, the the uh, David Brent comparison is interesting. We've been discussing the documentary fair but on the show over the last uh, over the last few weeks, and it's it's very difficult not to like Mikel Arteta off the back of all or nothing. But exactly as you say, it strikes me that like it's a sort of message that in a winning dressing room, it's grand and everything sort of rolls week to week, and it's like yeah, yeah, we can totally get behind this. It's when things are going a little bit sour um, where it can come off a little bit contrived. I guess is probably the point. I like the fact that he's willing to do things, something different every time. It seems that he, he genuinely plans and thinks through how he's going to refresh the players. Mm. That They don't want to hear the same thing. I mean, some of the key messages are going to be constantly reiterated. But what he, he you know, from the, the evidence that we've seen now is that he looks to galvanise players uh, by giving them something they don't expect. And that doesn't have to be negative. It, a lot of it's very positive messaging. You know, using a, using the, the, the board to, you know, sh- pictures and illustration and ideas and light bulbs um, to to engage the players and, and bring them on board to the, to them want, make them want to listen. Yeah. But do they want to listen when they're two down at Liverpool? Or when they're when they've just you know messed up and conceded in the last minute of the first half at home to whoever Palace. It's um it's a, a methodology certainly in terms of the the effing and jeffing and the the thumping of things that are, you would imagine behind the scenes Antonio Conte uh, fully subscribes to. What about um what about Tottenham over the next little while? The the it looks like I, I think the um, fixtures still have to come out obviously for the Champions League draw, but. 
potentially nine games across October. Uh, Arsenal and United amongst them, and then uh, I think City and Liverpool either side of that in in um, in, the, in the in the months either side of that. Uh, a, a packed fixture schedule. Have they had the depth at the minute to cope with that? I think more so than last season, certainly. I mean, we will see everywhere. This is going to be the most difficult season for every club to manage because by November 13, you've got, for the, the big six, you've got 16 Premier League games, six Champions League stroke Europa League games um, and the international break uh, in the middle of that in, in September where they're going to you know, potentially lose players. And also with a lot of players thinking, don't really want to get injured now because I've got the World Cup in two weeks' time or three weeks' time. That's where you do need to keep players fresh. You need to to have depth. Spurs look to have more depth. I think they can still do with a couple. I think they, in an ideal world, they get another centre half and, and bin off either Sanchez or or Tanganga, if not both. Um, I think they could do with a proper creative midfielder who can play as a ten and and just change the game if required. And you might want someone to replace uh, Heal if he goes to Valencia, as seems likely. Mm-hmm. Another wide man, probably, but maybe someone who can just offer something different. But at the moment, if Kane does get injured, uh, and that doesn't happen as often as some people think, given he missed one game uh, last season, I think, and won the previous, yeah, one, one game last season, and no, none of them for injury last season. Um, he plays more, a lot more matches than people realise. But if he does get injured... You can play with Charleston at nine. You can play Son if you have to at nine. Uh, you've got Kudasevsky and Mora. So they look to have some decent options up top. Uh, they've now got four central midfielders with Skip, Basuma, Bentenko and Hoberg. And Hoberg has started the season extremely well. Um, Romero, they played without him last week. He could be back this weekend. But that relationship, with that, that trio of him... Dyer and, and Davis looks quite solid. Perisic has obviously given them depth, but Sessignon scored on the first weekend of the season and he'll grow and learn from playing with, with Perisic. And they've now got three uh, right-back options um, in Emerson, Doherty and, um, and Spence. So they look to be in a better place, certainly, than they were. But it's Spurs, isn't it? Let's be, let's be honest. Let's see where they are in December. Or uh, actually not December, because none of them are in December, in January when... OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.